Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files here on the Bastard News Radio Network. Uh, we'll be uh, joined shortly by the Swamp Girl, Pam. We're going to be uh, – this will be kind of a lighter show, normal. Uh, we're, I'll talk uh, – you know, I am going to get into some of the news story at the beginning. Then we're going to talk a little football. And then Coco comes on for the last half hour talking her adventures. You know, we'll call it the Coco Adventures Thanksgiving and uh, – Las Vegas. She was visiting her parents, and she gets all kinds of funny stories to talk about. You know, what does one do in Las Vegas on Thanksgiving? So, uh, like I say, we'll kind of waiting around for the uh, Swamp Girl to come on. Uh, but uh, a couple, of, you know, quick things here I was going to you know, touch on, and we're going to delve more in those tomorrow. I'm looking on, you know, you know, I got a couple of people I'm waiting to hear back from. Uh, tomorrow, plus, you know, Dr. Larry will be joining us since he's the one guy that actually met Tony Fauci, the Fauci. Now, he's actually worked with the guy. He's met the guy. So, um, you know, he – and so we're going to kind of get uh, – you know, we're going to, you know, try to get him uh, to, you know, talk about some of the experiences that he's had. Uh, as I stated, and, and speaking of the Swamp Girl, there she is. Pam, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Tom. How are you doing? Real good. Well, you know, I, like I said, we're, you know, there's, like I said, there's a couple of quick points I was going to do on the news story side of the equation, get your views, and then we're going to go into football and then Thanksgiving. And and you and I are going to have a good time listening to Coco in the last half of the show talk about gambling, Thanksgiving, in Las Vegas. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's like let's just say it's it's it sounds like she had an adventure with her parents. Oh, I bet uh, so. Yeah, I bet so. And, and I guess this maybe I yeah I didn't ask her this, but we're going to ask her. This may be the first time that I'm not sure if this is the first time they actually met her boyfriend, but I'm not sure. Oh really? Oh wow. I don't know. I I have to ask her if they have met, you know, when they were living in L.A. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, man. Oh, I don't think assume. so. I think they have met him. Okay. Well, I think they've been going yeah. for like two years now. They're, you know, it's two years, and uh, and her timeline is starting to do things like she's starting to do these timeline things like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the things she's, I mean, all the things are good. Like I say, she's becoming domesticated, domesticated cocoa. So, but, all right, here's the thing. I mean, we're going to delve more into the market. Like I said, I'm going to try to get to see if Dr. Larry can join me as, and, and see if we can get some other guests. But, you know, I'm watching the interview with Dr. Fauci, and it's like, I am science. 
And I thought to myself, I'm sitting there listening to this, and I'm like, this is the most arrogant SOB I have seen in a long time. And the arrogance would be not too bad if he actually had success to, to go along with the arrogance. But I don't know if you heard that. What was your first thought? If you saw that interview, if you heard it, you know, if you had any thoughts on it? I heard some of it, but I'm so tired of the man. Um, yeah. You know, they say that everybody gets um, elevated to their level of incompetence. And I think he passed that maybe about six months ago. Um, yeah. Because he... Uh, uh, he is pandering, I believe, a lot of times. Um, I'll never forgive yeah. the man for for telling us to turn in our, you know, our N95 masks because the hospitals need them and they just needed a 14 days and we just needed this and we just needed that. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh no, you know, you need to oh, mask no, up, yeah. you need to do this. And I'm like, wait a minute, whoa, dude. Um, yeah. This new variant and stuff they're talking about. Yeah. And mathematically, yeah, it'll probably hit here. Mathematically, it probably already has, if you do the math. Yeah. And I don't, I, you know, I saw some of the statistics that you put out, um, what was it, the other day? You, you had this big yeah. long thread on that. And yeah, I did. So, you know, it's, I'm just tired of, tired of all this. It, yeah. it, you know, things, things yeah. hit you, you, you know. Well, you know, the thing that comes uh, to play is this, because there is, there is a fascination to me. I don't know if you ever, there's a book by Scott Atlas who worked in the administration. He was asked to come in about, you know, you know, April, June to July to provide a different alternative uh, to, you know, how they handled the pandemic. And he wrote a very fascinating book. And, and I think people should read the book. If they read the book, they will understand of our, many of our government officials, including our government scientists. I mean, he's a guy who came up from the outside. He's, you know, he's a, med- he's a medically trained. He's, he's also an expert in healthcare policy. He deals with studies all the time, research, a whole bottle of wax. And one of the things he said, he said, the times you would show up, he said, the number of times these people wouldn't even discuss the science. And if you got into the science, you know, they were not, you know, they wouldn't even join the discussion, whether it was dealing with school closing, whether it was dealing with masking, or any of these subjects. It was like they had no curiosity. They had already made up their mind what they're going to do, and they had no curiosity on making any adjustments or changes based on the science. And it's, I mean, I, it's just, I mean, it's just struck me how – yeah, that's just ill-prepared. It's not just the ill-prepared part. It's the fact that they had no curiosity to find out about this virus that they're supposed to be fighting. They had already decided this how we're going to deal with it, and we're not going to change our minds. It's see, an that's incredible like the weather, though. Yeah, that's like the weather. Go ahead. What do you mean? About the you weather. You know that there is weather out there. You know that you may live in Tornado Alley. You know, granted, you're in yeah. a little bit more tornado-prone area. I live in hurricane area. Coco lives in earthquake area. You know what I mean? And yeah. you always want to plan for the worst case scenario. And that's the key point in this. You plan for the worst case scenario. But, however, you don't mandate that people move from L.A. because they have earthquakes. You don't demand that, yeah. you know, you move from Iowa because you were in Tornado Alley. 
you know, you teach people to uh, defend in place. And that's the same thing with COVID. You give them the information, say this may or may not happen. You may or may not get COVID. You know, you make your best decision on this. You are an adult. You know how to do. I'm going to tell you South yeah. Carolina floods. Hadn't flooded in 100 years, but we had it in 2015. Yeah. Um, you, you see what I'm saying? It's like the yeah, weather. Yeah, However, they're yeah. saying that no, this is the way it is, and this is the and they're, they're concrete yeah. and they're so firm with their yeah. uh, messaging that, and it turns out to not be true. Then you have people like me who are like, no, screw you. You know what I mean? Well, here's the, yeah, yeah, no. Here's the other <laughs> aspect of the play because you know, I've always said to myself, you know, the biggest failure of Donald Trump was not cleaning out the swamp that he could clean out. He basically did very little to get that. And, and I, and I kind of look at this book because, again, Atlas is very complimentary to, to Trump, to, you know, uh, but he makes some very interesting observations. And when you look at it and you think about it, you say, okay. You know, and one of the things he noted, he said he had doubts about the game plan that was being proposed by the task force and wanting to shift into policy. You know how to deal with it. That's why he brought Scott Atlas in, and is that and 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 to me, my thought was, if you wanted these changes, why, you know, this is the job of a president. On one side of the equation, Operation Warp Speed, you got the vaccine, we got treatments, we you know, and that worked. It did what it was supposed to do, you know, quicken the scientific search for medication, vaccines to move forward. That was a success. But and this is the problem I had, you know, the, you know, the failure, if there's a the big aspect of Trump is, and even Mike Pence to an extent, and I'll have you follow up on this, is if these people weren't following the dictate of what you wanted to be done, why did you allow them to stay in place? Why did you make changes that needed to be made? This is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Pyle with the Swamp Girl. Coco Konski will be joining us. At the end of the hour. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? 1 in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism? 1 in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Yeah, this is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files, and this segment is brought to you to by... Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, 
Soccer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Donaldson Files to the Bastard News Radio Network. Uh, if you want to call in with your opinions on anything we say here tonight, or you just want to call in and say, Tom, you're the greatest, keep it up. Yeah, we, we even allow compliments on the air. Uh, uh, 646-929-0130, 646-929-0130. And if you have any crazy stories about Las Vegas, uh, bring them up at the end of the hour. Uh, you can listen to this show on the Bastard News Radio Network, I would say the bastionnews.airtime.pro, bastionnews.airtime.pro, every day, 11 a.m., 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, where you can listen to repeats of, of some of our great shows. And don't forget, you and the law will be following this show. And they had a great show last week, I know, because I was on it uh, with my opinion. So we had a very spirited, some very spirited conversations about law enforcement, uh, Rittenhouse, Orby and other uh, other cases out there. So great show. It would have been, it was it's worth listening to again. And it's not just because I was on the show, but the Chiefs themselves are great. Uh, all right, I, I I made a statement here. You know, you know, if there's a weakness that Trump had to me is he didn't piss out to Trump, and this he didn't do a whole lot to clean out that swamp, including you know, the other areas that he could have cleaned out. This is a good example where literally the swamp swamped him, and and they certainly in this case he had the ability to do something, and, and I've always said you know this is, was a weakness, and uh, your thoughts at the time, um, I think that he thought and everybody else thought that he had the best that he could get. Um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, um, and they did believe that you know this was going to be something really uber horrible, and it has been, you know, in all reality. So I I don't I don't blame politicians for being stupid because they're politicians, and I'm sorry that that Trump did listen to what he thought was the experts at the time, but so did everybody else. The entire American public did. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, here's so, a, yeah, yeah. Did well, he drain the swamp? Yeah. You can't yeah. get well, rid of every Democrat in this time for it to no, be fair. And, and no, then, no. You know, I, yeah. I lean on that, you know, that, that there has to be yeah. a balance, you know. Yeah. Well, here's the so problem. We have, I have a tendency in this country to lean too yeah. far. Well, here's the problem. Here's the thing. The question I have is, it's not so much okay. And you know, March or looking in March, maybe early April. Yeah, you know, you can sit back and say, okay, you know, this is the best advice I appear to be getting, or this is the expert there here in the government. But when it became obvious to him and to a lot of people, myself included, that something was amiss, that these policies were going to end up being worse than the virus itself. And when he wanted to change the policy, and that's the point you know, Scott Atlas made, is that he wanted to open up the economy. He wanted to get the schools open again, you know, to do these things, and, you know, you know, design a strategy and, in fact, live with the virus. You know, he didn't make those changes. I, I, I should put it this way. He made, you know, he suggested well, I don't think that, Trump made but, changes as much yeah. as the, the, the governors of the state. Yeah. Well, but he, but here, yeah, but here's the thing. You, I mean, and this is the interesting aspect about the book. He, 
Scott Adler made the observation that, you know, Burks was going to these governors promoting the policies that Donald Trump didn't want to see promoted. I mean, she paid, right. and she was rather open about it. This was not like she was doing this behind his back because Mike Pence is the VP is in charge of this, and he knows this is going on. They know it's going on. They know you got this debate going on, and the question is, you know, while the governors were given this advice that was running counter to what he wanted to see done, or let's say it was moving toward, you know, that to me. It's not just that it's insubordination, number one. But number two, they refuse to basically rein her in and say, hey, look, this is not what we want to be telling the governor. This is what chief executives are supposed to do. And I contrast this with Ron DeSantis, who, in fact, didn't. You know, he looked at the science. He looked at the data and made changes within his own state and said, okay, this is the way we're going to go. And he brought in outside experts to say, you know, here's what I'm reading the science. What do you think? And he got his team together to go on a certain pathway. He didn't allow the bureaucracy to control him. He controlled them. And that's the point that I was making. Uh, And I think this, and it's a question to be asked. In 2024, when they, you know, to me, I would be, you know, if I was to say, if Trump's going to run for president or Mike Pence decides he wants to run for president, I'm going to say, why did you guys, allowed Debbie Burks to do what she did when you were in charge. If this was not the policy you wanted enacted, you wanted to make changes, you didn't you allowed her to dictate the policy, not you question. That's my that's my view. Uh, I'm gonna let you do then we're gonna then I got some questions for you to ask. Uh, then I'm gonna go into college football and what I would call <laughs> morals and ethics. Morals and ethics here. But okay, I'll give you the last word on this. Well, I kind of agree with you is that, you know, you, you rein in the people that you work for and everybody needs to be on the same page before you go out like they yeah. did. So. Yeah. All right. Now, okay. Here's you the know. question I'm going to throw back. So because here's the thing. I mean, we, okay, there's two aspects. we got the college football playoffs. So they're there. We don't know what's going to happen. Michigan essentially has to beat Iowa to get into the final four. And contrary to what a lot of people think, it's not going to be easy because Iowa's got a good defensive team that matches up physically with Michigan. Uh, Alabama and Georgia. You know, Alabama essentially has to win if they want into the Final Four. If they lose, they're out. And Georgia and Georgia, pretty much, in my view, is the only team that I would say is automatically in. You know, Cincinnati has to beat Houston. And, and, again, I'm not sure that's an easy job. Beat Houston once, but they're 11-1. and one. Houston's 11-1. Cincinnati's 12-0. they got to win. Notre Dame is... 11 and 1. They don't have a game next week. But if the right teams loses, they could be placed in here. Now, here's the thing that I find interesting. Brian Kelly is the head coach of Notre Dame. He's got a shot to be in the playoffs. And he gets up and says, I'm out of here. Thank you very much. Not only that, he does it by a, he makes his original announcement on a text. Then he gives. Then he goes back the next day, tells his team, spends ten minutes with them. I'm leaving. Goodbye. I'm out of town. Now, whether or not again, I'm not going to say you shouldn't be. You know, you you shouldn't want to change coaches, and you think this is the right job. But there's a time and place to me where you make those changes, where you don't do it. This was totally an unprofessional way to severe, you know, to severe your ties with the team. What's your thoughts? 
Well, I agree with you. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. That was just totally inappropriate the way it was done. Um, yeah. It was uh, a little on the, uh, I'm going to say a little on the cray-cray side. Um, that, yeah, you would hope that a coach would, would be have a little bit more uh, professional standards, maybe. That would be the way you would put it, you know, to, to do this. Yeah. If he's going to do it, do it the right way instead of, yeah. you know, popping this out. But I have a feeling that something made him mad. <laughs> The way it was done, well, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, my point is, I because I, he actually did the same thing with Cincinnati. When he left Cincinnati for Notre Dame, he did the exact same thing. You know, he yeah. kind of left before they had a major bowl game. Uh, and and I just, I mean, I, I, I there's, it just kind of was. I mean, I used to, I used to always enjoy watching Notre Dame football. I was raised a Roman Catholic, and that was one thing about Catholics is you. Yeah, it you know, and those you know, when I was growing up, Notre Dame was the team of Catholics. For Catholics. It was uh, and I always had. But when Brian Kelly, you know, I was I never liked the guy. There's just something about the guy I didn't like. Uh there's a part of me I remember I don't know if you remember if you knew remember this or not. You know, he was he basically they had a really windy day and they would have, you know, you know, he would have students uh filming the practice on this uh you know, you know, thirty or forty foot uh, um, guide way, or I guess a thirty, forty foot right. kind of an area where they could do. Okay, uh, one day it was really windy. He he sends the kids up there, and the kid basically blew off and died. And they never. Did, I mean, it was like, you know, first of all, my thought is, why the hell did you do that? What was the rationale? Did you to do that to begin with to cause that death? And he never really had to pay the penalty for that. He never really had right. to, and it was and it and it's just this aspect about this guy. I won't say swami, but there's a catch this arrogance. Yeah, you know, I can always remember when Lou Holtz got to 105 victories in Notre Dame, the exact number of Canute Rocket. He said, "Okay, I've done all I can do at Notre Dame. I'm gonna just let the record stand. I'm goodbye." You know, and again, I'm not gonna you know bitch about a guy breaking a record. But of all the guys right. breaking the record, Canute Rockney, he's the guy that I just don't, you know, I just kind of roast me the wrong way, the whole thing. And you're right. I mean, it's just like, you know, you got a team prep for the championship possibility. You don't leave them there. And my view is if this team wants you bad enough, if LSU wants you bad enough, I would have told LSU, look, I got a playoff to go to. You know, I'm either going to be done January 1st or January 12th. Let's make let's make you know. Let me get this team through that. Then you and I, then we it. can yeah. then then we'll finish the deal. You can wait for me because if you're that if you need that because let's face it, you know LSU they're looking for somebody like a Brian Kelly to show up and to show up. And my view is, you know, they should wait. No, they can wait. Yeah, you know, that's just the way I feel it. But you know, to leave your team in the lurch like that, just totally unprofessional. And and Lincoln Riley did the same thing at U.S. You know, down in Oklahoma. Yeah, you know, I, I got to think. Yeah, but you got to think. Is this a, is this yeah. a one of those gambles for more money? Yeah, you know, pay they're going to pay, no, get paid more money. Pay me, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. worth something. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
of course, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing that's interesting because the rumor was he was up for LSU himself, hmm. and he turned it down and ended up in. In fact, I can remember a bunch of Oklahoma fans saying, "Oh, hey, it's great! He turned down LSU, wonderful." Hey, for Riley, and then the next day he's off, and it's like these very same people on Twitter are like, "Ah, crap." Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and again, in his case, it's a little bit different because he lost the, the title game, so he's not going to be in the final four. But he does have a nice bowl game coming up. They have a nice bowl game coming up, and it's one of those things. Say, you know, you know, can you just wait till the bowl game? This is the team you brought along. Uh, it, it, it kind of leaves this bad taste in my mouth. Uh, we'll follow up on this uh, a few minutes here with Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files, with uh, the, the Slump Girl Pam. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, at the bottom of the hour, we've got Cuckold's Adventures in, in Vegas. Vegas. In Vegas, that's, that's right. That's a movie title. Cuckold's Adventures that's in That's a movie Vegas. title. That's a movie title. So, <laughs> and so we're going to have. Yeah. You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedinamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. And also, ladies and gentlemen, I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old for flu. The media is exaggerated. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, you can listen to this show on the bachelornews.airtime.pro and the Bachelor News uh, Radio Network. It's every day, I should, every day, 11 a.m., 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Plus, we are on live, 4 p.m., 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on, on this network. And we'll be followed by you and the law, another great show. And we, and uh, I, I just say, uh, okay, where were we? Yeah, we were talking about uh, unprofessionalism, but uh, well, I, so I guess I would put this right before we go because uh, we got Coco on the line with Coco's Adventures in Las Vegas, which will make a wonderful screenplay and movie. Uh, uh, for uh, in the future, I can see it now. You know, Coco Konski, my adventures in Vegas, and how and how I lost a ton of money. <laughs> but real quick, uh, I'm going to say my Iowa Hawkeyes are now in the Big Ten championship. Uh, they beat Nebraska, a team that I've learned to hate over the years. They came back and beat them, and. And then Minnesota beat Wisconsin because it was, you know, to beat Wisconsin to get us into the championship. And I understand that your poor Gamecocks got round up by a group of Tigers. Hello, Coco. Yeah. 
All right. So, What's going on? So, well, actually, like I say, we're talking football. We're talking. Oh. Yeah, we're talking some football, and we're talking. Basically, we're talking about coaches who decide to leave their teams in the middle of the night by leaving the, their players a tweet. Hey, I'm going to LSU. See you later. Thank you. Especially when you're getting ready to go t- uh, to a championship. And uh, I got to imagine uh, Steve's got to be kind of excited coming up Saturday with Alabama and Georgia, right? Coco? Oh, yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, it's so funny because, like, literally all my dad and Steve did while we were in Vegas was, like, watch football. It was, like, at one point – it was like, he was like, there's a 9 a.m. game, and we're going to go watch it. And I'm like, well, you enjoy. I would say the one thing about Vegas, though, it is an interesting play to watch sports because. It's, in, it's like a, if you're into sports, it's like your dream to watch. If you go yeah. to a sports book, it is gorgeous. Yeah, it, I, uh, it's cool. I mean, One got, of the resorts yeah. I, I went to. It's a pretty. It's a pretty new resort. It's not really in Las Vegas. It's in Henderson, which is like twelve minutes away from Vegas. Twelve twenty-five minutes. Yeah. Um. So I went there, and it's like such a difference from like Bally's. Bally's is horrible. I'm sorry. I just. I just got to say, like, what an awful experience I had over there. I mean, especially during times of COVID, you would think that it would be somewhat clean. And from the minute I walked in, I knew I was going to have a horrible time because there's, like, this carpet that you – first of all, like, their escalators were broken. And it's like, you live in Vegas. You're in Vegas. Nothing should yeah. ever be broken. You know, and no. so we had to walk, like, three, four flights of steps, and, like, we're walking on this carpet, and I'm looking at this carpet, and I'm thinking to myself, this hasn't been clean in, like, six months. Like, there's no way. I mean, no, this the carpet was green. Yeah. This, no, this was in Las Vegas. This was Valley. Oh, this in was Las Vegas. Vegas okay. So. okay. And oh, um, right. I'm walking down yeah, these yeah. stairs. The carpet is green, but the trail is ash gray from foot, from feet prints, from shoes. It was disgusting. And I was just like, and I swear I lost all my money. It was at Valley's. So I hate Valley's. <laughs> I will never go there. It, 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 basically, yeah. Bally's is where the old MGM casino was before the fire, for those of you who don't know. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of crazy because it, they never really changed the structure. They basically built it like how MGM used to be. But, yeah. oh, my God, it was so nasty. It was just like, I'm, I was like, I told you, I was like, if I haven't caught COVID, I caught it here. Because it, it yeah. was just like disgusting horrifying yeah. i was just like I, I didn't even want to use the restroom and i'm, I'm just, I, and i went to a restroom in the middle of nowhere in prim which is like state line where they had no running water and i would not mm. use the restroom at valleys so yeah. but um the cool thing that i did was there's a resort called the m resort it's in henderson and it's actually the official hotel of the las, las vegas raiders so yeah. whenever oh, okay. they're playing a game that's where they stay and it is the nicest place ever. Like, you, like with the other casinos, you know, when you go to a casino, you smell cigarette smoke because everybody smokes there. If you don't smoke, you're yeah. still going to smoke. <laughs> That's how I figure. Yeah. And so um, when you go into the M Resort, it, they have, like, this filtration system. So, like, you see people smoking cigars and cigarettes, but, like, when you smell it, it smells like the breeze. It's, like, the most, it's the most beautiful scent I have ever smelled in a casino. <laughs> So it was yeah. like super clean. I won 
big in that casino. I won probably about a grand in that casino. Um, and it, it was it was awesome. I wish I never left to go to Bally's because that's where I lost I lost about fifteen hundred dollars. So um, oh. not too happy about that. <laughs> I'm not too well, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But but I will say as far as going sports books, the nicest sports book I have ever been to. Nicer than Caesars, nicer than Bellagio. Um, so brand new. The the resort has only yeah. been open for a year. And um, yeah. but when you go in, it is like I mean, there's horse races. There's 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 like cricket. There's like you know obviously football, and it's just such a lovely place to be to watch a game. Um, yeah. But overall, yeah. I, it was a pretty fun time, I would say, yeah. except for losing the yeah. money. That was like yeah. shitty. Well, I mean, yeah, we'll get more. Because here's the thing with sports, and and is when you're watching sports in Vegas, it's a, there's a different atmosphere. It's not Absolutely. so much who you're rooting for; it's what the spread is. Did the team, and you're literally if a team is if you got, you know, if a team is up by five, you know, you know, you got the team plus five, and they're down by plus, you know, minus. You know, you got the team plus five, and they're up by plus three. You're like thinking. Jesus Christ, go for the field goal. Yo, go get another yeah. score. Don't run out the clock. <laughs> and um, and, and the what? other thing, too. Yeah. yeah. And I think the other thing, too, is go when you have a big boxing match. Vegas is the play. I mean, nothing it's like a it. very fat. Nothing like There's it. There's nothing like it's it. Not, nothing like Because I had the opportunity because I, I actually was able to get into a couple of big matches for free. I would say it's pretty because I was I had a press credential, so I I would use my press credential to get into these fights, and it'd be like you'd be seeing you know the stars the the stars would be there in the front two or three rows. I can't forget. I mean, I think Sylvester Stallone was in one, and some of his friends and were there in one of these fights. But but it's just you know if you want to go people watching, it's a great place to go to do so. But obviously, Coco, you violated the first rule of gambling in Vegas. Set a goal. I broke it. I, I a, broke it. I was. I, I made about. I made about. Let's see. I started with five hundred, and I was up to like fifteen hundred, and I still kept playing. So stupid. Yeah. You know, it was. Well, okay, but I will say, if you guys are into slots, if you're into slots, the best game to play is called Cats, Hats, and Bats. <laughs> Um, oh, okay. That's when I started winning big. They're link games, and what a link game is, it's like if you hit a bonus game, you have to link them all. And I think it was at one point where, like, when I hit just that one link, I won like three hundred dollars off a twenty dollar bill. So oh. I was like pretty excited. I was like, "Damn, this oh. game is great." <laughs> what about you? I mean, I mean, uh, Pam, have you ever done? Are you a gambler in any kind? Have you been to Vegas at all, or? Are there any casinos in South Carolina yet? I don't think there are casinos in South Carolina. Uh, Pam, you still there? I think we lost her. Yeah, no. I was on, I put you on mute because I was trying to catch a cat. Um, I've got her in my arms right now. No, I don't gamble. Um, I'm a Sundancer. And um, right. that's just one of the things I don't do. Um, but yeah. we bet on football games a lot here. You know, I've done yeah. 
some things like that, you know, quarter bets and stuff like that. But no, traditionally mm-hmm. I don't I don't gamble too much. And yeah. we got Harris up in Cherokee, uh, and Chief Joyce up there. She used to gamble quite a bit and taught me a little bit about it. But no, yeah, pretty much grew up on bingo. Um, right. So no, I don't bet too much. Okay. All right. Well, well, here, yeah, it's the thing. I mean, but but here's the thing. Like I say with Vegas, because I have to be honest, I I'm not a big slot player because it's all luck. I mean, you, you, I mean, it's like I say, you can get lucky with the right, you know, with the right uh, slot. And I'm not very good at cards. I mean, blackjack is pretty much just at my speed. But I, you know, if I if I did any gambling, be usually on the sporting events because that's something I actually know something about is the sporting events. So, and, uh, and, and that's the other thing, because I, like I say, is I've, I haven't been in Vegas for a while, but I mean, the last time we were there was like for sporting events and, and I always had this, I mean, like I said, there's always this kind of rule of thumb. You, you go into the idea, you know, I always try to discipline myself when it comes to slots. I'm a, a X number of dollars. If I lose that X number of dollars, I'm done. Uh, I'm done, and it's more. You know, then you got this. Uh, then you got the people watching, which to me is absolutely. Fun. I love people watching in Vegas. You know, it's and the one thing is, and it's one of these towns that's like 24 hours. The only other town that I can think of that's like that, where everything is open 24 hours a day, would be New Orleans. New Orleans is that way too. I mean, literally. You know, it's 24 hours every day. Something is open. They just keep the, you know, they keep the town going and keep the town party. Vegas is the same way. Is that, uh, and the people watching is something. It's like just that alone is entertainment. Uh, so it's, but. Uh, That's what I would do yeah, if it, I went to Vegas. Yeah. I'd be watching well, everybody. Yeah. Well, I tell you, here's the thing with Vegas. I mean, when you get to Vegas, like you say, is you know, like I say, is there's a lot to do there. Now, it's it, there have been some changes. I mean, there are things you can do that doesn't necessarily involve gaming. You got the shows, and now you you, you got, like I say, sporting events that show up. Uh, you got sporting I'm events back. that show. All right. Yeah, yeah we got sporting I, um, events. Those. I, yeah. I I just I gotta tell you real quick. I'm making a. Uh... Before before I was coming on the show, I was like, oh, I feel in the mood to like make something, and I I just made I just baked a uh, meatloaf from scratch. <laughs> so oh. I was checking to see if go. my kitchen didn't cause fire. Yeah. Well, let me ask you. I mean, here's the thing, Coco. You know, we've been yeah. on the show now for over four years. I yeah. am getting concerned because now you're starting to get domesticated. I mean, your Twitter sites, half of your Twitter sites anymore are is recipes and great food. You're you and Steve are eating it's or recipes true. you're cooking. That's true. true. So, be, what's going well, on? I mean, it's I like mean, so you're I, becoming I domesticated on it. No, it's not even that. Like, I mean, I was like in rehab for like in my mid twenties, and yeah. like for an eating disorder. Bad story, not really. Um, and for me, like, even if I don't eat it, I just like enjoy cooking because I used to have like a love hate relationship with food, and now like I cook because yeah. like it's something I enjoy to do. But it doesn't mean I'll eat it. <laughs> but yeah. I decided I was like, we were eating out at some really, really good restaurants. It shocked me. 
it shocked me how good the food in Vegas is. It is like, uh, to me, I would equate it to New York. That's how good it was. Like, I I had this Italian restaurant in. It was like an upscale Italian place, like, in the middle of, like, Nevada. (laughs) Like, you wouldn't think, like. And it was, like, in a shopping center of all places. Like, it was in a legit shopping center. And I was like, oh, this place is not going to be that great. And it turned Mm -hmm. out to be, like, one of the best Italian places. I have ever eaten in my life. Mm-hmm. It was it was well, they, Yeah, they got great food. I mean, they have great food. They do. hundred. Now the big difference. You know, here's the big. You know, maybe the, like I say, it's been a while since I've been there. When I first started going to Vegas, you know, mm-hmm. they would literally have specials. I mean, you literally mm-hmm. could go to some of these places, and you know, they fill you with drinks because they want to keep you gambling. But they would have like. They would have time of day. You literally could get a buffet, and you know, with all some all the food you want for like five bucks. You know they. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, mean and, and, the buffets I guess, I mean, are I mean, not like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you if you if you were going to ask me, yeah. what is my favorite buffet in Vegas that I think is worth the price? I would tell you when. I think it's like yeah. forty five dollars a person for dinner. But what you get, it's like you get bone marrow, you get filet mignon, you get like upscale sushi, you get like anything yeah. like, like like gourmet squid and pasta, like like a meal that would literally in LA cost you like three hundred dollars easily. They have it for like forty five bucks a person. I think that that's how much I think we paid last time. So the buffets like are very sketchy for me. So. I think it really depends, like, where you go. Like, I'm not going to go to buffet in, like, some, like, mid- middle of, like, state line. Like, that's disgusting. I did that one time, and I swear yeah. to God, I got, like, food poisoning. <laughs> so, like, if I'm yeah. going to do a buffet, it's going to be either the, the Venetian, um, Wynn, or um, the Aria. Well, Those are the well, three. Me, yeah. yeah, but let me put it this way. I mean, a lot of these buffets were pretty good food. But this was in the yeah. old days where they really wanted to keep you into that hotel. Oh, for they sure. didn't want you to leave it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And so yeah, they yeah, basically yeah. would um, give the food away, working on the assumption. Now today it's like I mean different. now it's like it's very gourmet. It's it's a very gourmet. It's, like yeah. it's the best one. I told you it's wit. I mean I don't know if you ever had bone marrow. Yeah. Um, it's like when I'm, it's like the the tissue of the animals. It's so delicious and like. You can get like twenty of those, and usually we go to a restaurant that has their bone marrow. It's like thirty eight dollars for like a couple of them. They're very expensive. They're they're so delicious, and the desserts are like insanity. So for yeah. if I'm going to the buffet, I'm going to go to like a really like a five star one. <laughs> I don't trust anything below that, just because yeah. I've had experience. I went to um, and it's still there. Oh, it's so disgusting. It's like this, like, little casino, like, right as you hit state line, it's called Prim. And it is, like, yeah. it's a place you do not want to go. Um, one of the, I mean, it's fun to check it out. It's a place called Terribles. I'm not exaggerating. That's the name of the casino. It's called Terribles. Um, which should have been my first clue, actually, now that I think about yeah. it. Um, but we went in there, and it was cool because they have the Bonnie and Clyde car from Bonnie and Clyde, like the actual Bonnie and Clyde car. So they have that as display in the casino. And it's like, it's like one of those casinos where like, 
destitutes go to like gamble like their last paycheck and then they die. Um, we, I was looking on one of the reviews on Yelp like literally yesterday before we came back, and like half the people said they found blood on the wall <laughs> and like bed bugs and like the bed was moldy. I'm like, why would you even stay there? And these were like live videos. Like there was like literally blood on the wall of the bathroom in like one of the rooms mm. and they were charging like $85 a night. <laughs> I was like, wow. um, no, no. <laughs> so those are places you want to avoid those buffets <laughs> because yeah. we yeah, ate there are... one time, like two pre COVID we ate in one of the buffets, like that exact buffet. And I don't know how I'm alive. Cause like, I swear as I'm, as we're leaving, I see like a bunch of cockroaches like in the front entrance and I'm just like, I just ate there. Like if oh, you're seeing wow. them like in the ho- in the in the casino lobby, what the hell does the kitchen look like? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think you need to worry. Oh, yeah, you you, yeah, you, you, you know, oh god, that sounds horrible. Well, <laughs> no, it was like disgusting, and it's still no, open, yeah. and it's like gambling twenty four seven, and like it's just like I mean, if you look at it, it's just like oh god, yeah, god no. Yeah. Now, I guess it's like, well, okay, first of all, number one, we got to talk about it because you're, you played bingo with your parents. So how are your parents no, I, doing? Okay. They're good. Um, my dad loves, my dad loves Las Vegas. He's very like, the place they live, it's like very like, it's very, it's like a gated community. So it's very Stepford wives. Like they have these rules and regulations. Like everything is so well manicured. Like literally it looks something out of the Stepford wives. I was like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> this is not... <laughs> I'm not used to this. Um, and they're good. Um, they didn't come with us to bingo. And I got to say, I had, like, such a horrible experience at bingo. It was, like, I'm not going to name the, the resort I was at because they actually reached out to me. And they, you know, um, I, my, my boyfriend yeah. left the Yelp review, like, how horrible it was. it was. It was, like, you know, you're paying, like, $325 for, like, two sessions of bingo if you want the good cards. And so – yeah. You know, we were tipping, we tipped the cashier, we tipped, like, you know, the drink person, because you get, like, two drinks minimum, and the first round was fine, like, okay, we we, yeah. we didn't win any money, by the way, at Bingo, we didn't, but the second time, like, I had to go to the bathroom, and the bathroom was, like, literally across the hall, it's not, like, it's maybe five feet away, yeah. and the first time that I did it, there, I you tell the person, listen, I'm going to the bathroom, and they're, like, well, okay, second time I told the person they were like well okay and then they were going to kick my boyfriend out because they said he was watching my machine which is like invalid and it was like I had come just exactly at that point like they were going to kick him out I mean it was just it was so dumb like and it was dumb because they never stated those in the rules it wasn't like well you can't leave your game unattended like you know if you would have told us this then yeah you know okay but the woman there was just, like, she was so nasty. And I was just, like, to a point where I was just, like, I'm over this place. Like, let's just go. They uh, basically yeah, advertised never... this place as, like, a beautiful resort and, like, oh, yeah. it's gorgeous, blah, blah, blah. And it was, like, anything but. It looked like it was stuck in the 90s. So I wasn't too happy about that. But, they, but like, they responded to our review. And so they want to, like, make it up. And so, like, I guess they're going to comp us for a, few, a couple things. So I am going back in March. So um, oh, hopefully uh, it's better yeah. than it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm gonna put it. I mean, like I said, I've never had any real bad experiences 
with hotels when I've been to Vegas. I really can't say yeah. that. Uh, uh, other than, like you say, and usually, like you say, it's always been the kind of fun. I was telling Pam when, uh, you know, that one of the most fascinating things to do in Vegas is, it is to me. I actually met some really people. cool people. I met some really cool people. I met, like, there was this, like, really older lady. She was, like, maybe late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. And she was like on the slots, and we were just talking. And she was she she won a bunch of money. She won like she actually hit the jackpot and won five grand. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> she was she was from L.A. actually, so uh, she just had moved out there. And so I was just like, but you know, it's really interesting. Like different people, like the ones you feel really sad about, are like the ones like in wheelchairs who are like obviously like incompetent and all they're doing is just like gambling their money away and it's like kind of sad you know i always we always kind of set a budget so like yeah i lost 1500 but it's money that i never really had to begin with it, i already i started with 500 so yeah you know, that was my budget was to blow 500 and yeah okay i made like 1500 but i blew it but it wasn't like i lost 1500 dollars of my own money you know it wasn't yeah. like you always set a budget when you go gambling you yeah. know, um, yeah. Well, next time the, I just yeah, put half away. Yeah, no, that's the that's the point because uh, you know Pam and I were talking about this. Uh, is when you go to Vegas, you know, I you set. I always said, you know, when I went to Vegas, I always said, certainly with the slot machines, I was at a certain limit. Got to the limit, I was out. I mean, if I lost X number of dollars, I was out. If I won X number of yeah. dollars, I stayed there. Yeah, yeah. It, but I also set a limit of what I, you know, if I could win and. But because there's a point somewhere where you know the house always wins. There's a reason why Vegas makes money. The house oh, always yeah. wins. So now, now so, so do your parents gamble? Oh, they God, just, no. They don't gamble. Do they, they don't drink. They don't smoke. They're very boring. I'm the complete opposite. I drink, I smoke, and I gamble. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Vegas would not. Quick and also, yeah. Yeah. And also I the reason quick. I honestly hate Vegas is the weather. The weather sucks. The weather's yeah. awful. Like, I mean, I know I'm in a desert, but I was so like my uh, my skin was dry. And my feet started to crack to the point where they were hurting, and my feet never crack. And I have like I still have cracks on my feet now because of how dry it is. And I had a I had like my nose was bloody and, and like, it was like, I got bloody noses for like four days straight, like three times a day. It was yeah. not fun. <laughs> well, you know, that's an interesting point because my daughter lives in Reno and she's, she has kind of said the same thing that it's a, because she's used to humidity. I mean, she's raised. Well, yeah, but there's no humidity yeah. out there. I know. That's what I mean. And, and Co- I mean, Pam, you know, there's a lot of humidity in South Carolina, correct? Oh, even today. It's wet here all the time. Yeah, yeah and that's and, like the problem is that it's never it sucks because they have this they bought this beautiful like I call it a mini mansion because it's like it's it's like not a full mansion sort of, but it's like getting there. It's like forty two hundred square feet. It has like an insane yard. It has like all these palm trees surrounding, and it ha- they have like this beautiful pool that has a huge waterfall. And I wasn't able to use it because it was like the hottest they got there was sixty five degrees. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not swimming in any freezing pool in sixty five degrees. <laughs> There's no way. No, no, that's. 
I mean, it gets wow. so cold, Tom, that it gets so cold. I think it, it took, like, about eight hours to just heat up the hot tub. Because we had gotten there at, like, 11 a.m., and by 7 p.m., the hot tub still wasn't, like, it was, like, lukewarm. So you can imagine, I mean, eight hours to, like, heat up a, a hot tub yeah. is insane. Like, yeah. that wouldn't happen here yeah. in L.A. Yeah. Well, you know, the answer is that, you know, is that, you know I, I always try to figure that, you know, Vegas would be warmer. Uh, mainly because it, it it's is. in that desert. It's like, but, I mean, it's either it's really cold or it's 120 degrees. Yeah. yeah. It gets but about 120 in the summer. Now, the desert, though, I mean, the desert does, in fact, you know, you're going to get, you know, the desert does get cold at night. At, at but, do you want to hear something really interesting, it. though? You want to hear something really right. interesting? There is, on the way to Las Vegas, there's an abandoned water park. I don't know if any of you guys know about it, but there's, um, it's like right as you're like heading towards um, Baker, so like as you're going to Baker, which is like on the way to Vegas. Um, there's only two things. There's only one thing to do. There's a restaurant called the Mad Greek, and it's so famous. People travel thousands of miles to like go there. Um, so I had to do that stop. That was a fun place. Best strawberry milkshake I've ever had. <laughs> um, but mm. there is abandoned. There is an abandoned water park like that someone built in the 90s like they thought like oh well because the cars are coming like people are going to go to this water park i mean it's been shut down like they said for like 15 years it's been shut down and they still have the equipment and they still have the signs and they even still have the pool but there's like obviously no water um and they still have the slides but it's just like it's just like the most random thing you see on the highway it's just an abandoned water park Mm. oh yeah yeah that's interesting, yeah. Well, like I say, because I, I can tell you this, I've been to Lachlan, Nevada, to cover a boxing match. Yeah. A Showtime, a Showtime boxing match in 2004. I've been to Reno to cover matches. In fact, oh, the Reno. Uh, Pam, you're going to love this, girl. I don't, I don't know if you guys ever remember that. What was it, that show? HBO had that show, the, the Cat Ranch or whatever. Cat House. The Cat House, yes. And... Well, where is the that, card is, girl? Is that in Reno? It's outside of Reno. It's in the it's in that general area. Yeah. And, okay, it's, you well, know, here's it's the still kick- open. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. That night they had the because I was covering a boxing match and I had a friend of mine. I was co-authoring a book on Billy Sue. and so we so and he lived in Reno, so he invited me to Reno, and you know, met him, his wife, and my wife and I, his wife. You know, we kind of met each other, and we were talking, and we go to this boxing match. The the card girls, the ones who, you know, you know they go in between rounds with the cards, they were all the women from the cat house. Oh, that's so funny. It was, yeah. Oh, that's a hoot. That's a hoot. Yeah. Well, here's the other hoot. <laughs> but here's the other, the rest of, yeah, as Paul Hubbard said, the rest of the story. It shows you in certain areas, it doesn't matter whether, you know, if you're in a Republican area, you know, plus 30 Republican and plus 30 Democrat, you could be dead and still win an election. The guy who ran the cat house ran for, I think, a state representative seat in yeah, Nevada. Yeah, he won or something. He won. He, yeah, he died two weeks before he, he – I think I he died in the cat house two weeks before the election and won by a landslide. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know. Well, that's Isn't that crazy? Funny. Isn't that, that is, crazy? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah I mean, it's, by it. it's so much. It's it's so interesting because like when you go to Vegas, it's like 
Yeah. There's Vegas and then there's Henderson and there's like a huge difference. Like Henderson is very suburbia. Yeah. Like they have the nice resorts. Yeah. Vegas, it's like, uh, <laughs> I went yeah. there and I'm just like, yeah, it's so, it's so crazy that the traffic is insane there. And we went on on a Saturday yeah. night, obviously. And it was like bumper to yeah. bumper traffic. Um, and finally, we're just like, let's just go back to the M Resort, which was like, I loved it. It was like, I mean, yeah. when when you are the hotel, the official hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders, you know it's going to yeah. be a very kept, well kept yeah. establishment for well-kept sure. Well kept hotel, yeah. And the people yeah. there are so nice. They're like the everyone was so sweet and friendly there, so it made a huge difference. So I'm definitely like, I even got a player's card there because <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I think I got yeah. like a thousand points or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. I mean, how about? You know, because one of the problems we I had a we had you know, I had Reno, and when we went to Reno, mm-hmm. is that a lot they just didn't have enough workers. I mean, you literally, like you know, we would have to wait like in Buffalo Wild Wings to get a seat until they actually had a. I mean, until they actually had enough help to serve you. I mean, it was not because um, they were crowded. Yeah, I didn't have a problem because I made reservations. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I didn't like, have a problem well, was, with that. The only time, the only time yeah. I did have a problem was um, I went to this like sushi place. It's like all you can eat sushi. It was very good. Um, and we waited like thirty minutes maybe for a table at like yeah. four p.m. <laughs> so, oh. um, but if you like make reservations, like I mean, I call them maybe thirty minutes before we were going to go out, and I made a reservation at the Italian place, and they were like, "Yeah, come on in." So, I mean, yeah. I feel as long as you make a reservation, like, ahead of time, like, even, like, an hour ahead of time, you'll be fine. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Well, I'm so, just not because that was a, you know, because in fact, it's still an issue here in Lyra where you just don't get enough I, I will. I will say, I will say the reason why I never want to live in Vegas is because of their internet service. Um, their providers are worse than Spectrum, which I never thought in a million years would happen. Like the worst. I've heard the same the thing. Worst. I have heard that. Is it Cox? Yeah. Is it Co- it's Cox. I'll say it. I don't care. Sue me. It's Cox. They're the worst. They're horrific. They were supposed to send someone to my dad's house to fix the cable box to set it up. And yeah. the guy never showed up. And then he, and then my dad called and he was like, Oh, well this is, this is, we're, this is uh you're scheduled for a phone call for next week not for someone to show up, a phone call in yeah. a week's event. It's so stupid. It was like, it was ridiculous. So the internet service out there is like horrific. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, because we're getting close to the end of time. Uh, it is basically 559. So I'm going to say, uh, Pam, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, appreciate your comments. My uh, pleasure. Uh, and uh, Coco, thank you for the Coco Adventures and uh, Vegas. There'll be a movie coming out in two years uh, with <laughs> Steve, you know, Steve, and, Steve and Coco. This is Tom Donaldson. Yep. And and I'm going to say goodnight because, and don't forget, we'll be followed sure. by you and the law. So stay on this network for you and the law. Uh, this is Tom Donaldson saying goodnight. Night, y'all. Good night.
Hey, we want to welcome you to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, we're glad that everybody is able to tune in and listen to another episode of You and the Law. But before I go any, before I say anything else, I need to introduce the man of the hour who goes by the name of Peace Swag, who is the host of You and the Law podcast show. How you doing, brother? How you doing, man? Sorry about that. How you doing? Man, I'm doing good, bro. Man, I'm hey, doing good, first, man. First of all, man, hey, before we go any further, man, uh, condolences to you and your family, man. I know you uh, you lost a family member, man, so condolences to you and your family and uh, prayers with you all. Well, well, thank you, brother. That means a lot. It, it definitely do, especially, uh, doing, especially right at the holidays. So, but, yeah. Yeah, I know, man. I'm sorry. Sorry about your loss, but all right. Well, hey, we've got a uh, we've got a good, uh, exciting show uh, talk about, and uh, it's something that you and I have definitely dealt with during our career, and uh, it is we're going to be talking about the uh, abuse of guardianship, and uh, you know, Keith, I, I tell you, I got this topic after watching a movie called I Care uh, I Care a Lot and it's a Netflix movie and if if you haven't seen it uh, definitely encourage you to go to Netflix and watch it because it is a good movie and it definitely opens up your eyes to what can happen in the legal system where a person can just lose all of their rights and the court can just say, hey, you've got a you, – you're now a ward of the state, Keith. Yeah, you know, you, we hear about that, and, um, you know, a lot of movies come from real-life situations. And, and I think uh, True. I think it is a topic that, was, uh, that we needed to discuss, and it's a very serious topic because people lose their rights. You know, you have individuals that look to the courts or the judicial system, whether it's criminal or civil, uh, to be equitable in, in, in um, declaring rights. And, you know, it, it goes down to that's why there is a belief that money talks and influence, influence also talks. And, you know, how do you, how do you lose a guardianship uh, you know how do you, how do these things happen? And, and a lot of people yeah. don't know their rights. A lot of people don't know where to go and find their rights. And so uh, it, it is a sad, very sad topic, very very serious topic uh, that that needs to be touched upon. Yeah, well, and Keith, and I think it's going to be a topic that we're going to have a lot of people listening to the show. We're going to have uh, people calling in and talking about some things that they have experienced or some things that they're definitely going through. Um, and I tell you, you know, the the legal system is supposed to protect uh, people from this type of abuse. But when the legal system is the one who is a part of it, and, and when I say a part of the system, not saying that the courts are knowingly involved with it, but when a judge has somebody who comes before him or her, and say, hey, this person is no longer fit to take care of their personal finances. They cannot uh, even live 
on their own. And a judge reads that and says, okay, well, you know, you've got guardianship over that person. The sad thing about it, Keith, is the fact that this person doesn't even appear in court without for that procedure to happen. And so what really got me was when I watched this movie, there was a judge who basically just took this lady's word, and she went after people who were very financially well off, who had a very, you know, very good retirement, a very good life savings. Uh, and she had all these pictures of, of people on her wall that she was in control of their assets. And so the courts never questioned her. So, you know, hopefully this topic will spur some conversation about other people making sure that their family members don't go through what people are going through right now, Keith. Well, you know, it's it's um there are people out there will take advantage of you. With the I think I lost uh, Chief. I think I lost Chief Humphrey. Hopefully, we get it back. Thanks. But I think we're having a little problems with Chief Humphrey, and but hopefully we can get him back on the on the air. But um, I'm on. I'm on here. Did, did you Did you hear me? Yeah, I kind of lost you for a minute. Yeah, yeah. So, uh... Have you seen that new plastic coffee container? Did you know it actually absorbs aroma from the coffee? At Maxwell House, we think the aroma should stay where it belongs, in the coffee, not the container. Our steel can won't absorb our rich coffee aroma, and unlike plastic, it's a perfect barrier against coffee's worst enemies, moisture and oxygen. So choose Maxwell House with the fresh steel can and make every day good to the last drop. Your mother-in-law just dropped in. It's dinner time and she looks hungry. Time for a quick dinner. Think fast. Think eggs. Like an omelet with tomatoes and cheese. Quick, easy, delicious. So, she loves dinner, compliments your creativity, and finally admits you're not a shameless social climber who stole her baby boy away. All thanks to the incredible edible egg. For other quick dinner, lunch, and snack ideas, visit AEB.org. The Incredible Edible Egg. The American Egg Board. News Radio Network. Chief Humphrey, brother, I think we we got everything back situated, but we're back live uh, as we're talking about 
the abuse of guardianship. And we want to remind our listeners that uh, you're listening to the show live. Uh, if you've got any comments or questions about the topic that we're talking about, uh, uh, go to the calling number is 646-929-0130 or at pro. In the chat room, uh, the producer is screening your calls. If you like to come on the show and share your comments or questions about what we're talking about, uh, let him know, and he'll get you on the air with us. But, uh, Keith, this is uh, a topic that, you know, brother, as we said before, so many people are impacted by um, elderly abuse, guardianship abuse, and just to know that people's rights can be taken away without them even having anything to say about it is a real concern. I think there's also those incidents where people really don't even know their rights have been taken away until it's uh, until it's too late. And I think also, you know, another big trial or case was, was Britney Spears, uh, the Britney Spears incident with her dad that also yeah. brought a lot of it to light. Now, whether that was, unreasonable or warranted don't know but i think that's got a lot of people to thinking and there are a lot of people out there man that sign off of uh uh, uh power of attorneys uh, there are those individuals that know that you have elderly individuals or individuals who might have some type of uh impairment that might not be able to take care of themselves and they manipulate paperwork to be this individual be the victim's guardianship guardian and the next thing you know uh you know, the the victim is not, doesn't have a house, doesn't have a bank account, doesn't have any means to be able to take care of themselves. And, and, and that, that's happening on a daily basis. Yeah, it, it happens on a daily basis. And the fact, you know, I learned something by watching this show. And when they said you become a ward of the state and after, you know, when we come up on our next break, Keith, we're going to play a, uh, a news clip out of Florida where this lady had, she was working on a job. She was taking care of herself. All of a sudden she gets a knock on her door. It's the sheriff's deputies who are there to inform her that she has to go with them because she has now become a ward of the state. And this lady had no idea what the deputies were talking about, but it was a court order. And so uh, it just it's really mind-boggling that somebody who is a sound mind and body, just such as the Britney Spears situation, that all of a sudden one day your whole life changes because of either a family member going to court or just somebody who has who has found out that hey this person has uh, is pretty wealthy and there is it's a it's a system that, hey, we can go to court. This judge knows what we do, and they're going to award this person to where we can take care of their financial affairs and just move this person totally out of their house into a nursing home or an assisted living center. And all of a sudden, you go from working one day to being in an assisted living center. It, it's just really shocking how a system that's supposed to protect you doesn't protect you. Well, it comes down to, you know, you have individuals out here that, that have a purpose in life and that's to victimize 
to victimize people, have people become victim, you know, make a person a victim unknowingly or sometimes, you know, uh, and they have no idea what, what hit them. And and the sad thing about it, even after you find out that situation that you were just talking about, if it's an hour later, day later, two days later, it's still too late. This person's life will never be the same based on the, on the fact that someone took advantage of this individual for whatever reason, whether it was intentional, whether it was I – I don't know. But just imagine your world being turned upside down. You, you're minding your own business. You're doing everything that you're supposed to do right. You're paying your bill, your taxes. You're living, you're, you're in good health, you're happy, and then all of a sudden this occurs. But, well, but then, you know, it, it, then you, and then you, now you've got to prove <laughs> that that isn't necessary. You've got to prove that somebody did this to you out of spite or whatever. You've got to waste all this time, all this effort, all these resources, and you've got to prove that you're okay. You've got to prove that you're capable of taking care of yourself. We're not we're not talking about the guardianships, the legal guardianships where you have someone who is not in a position to take care of themselves and they actually need someone to take care of them, um, or take care of their daily their, their matters or or be able to uh, sign off if they need some type of medical so we're not we're not talking about that. We're talking about people doing it for no other reason other than to gain access to people's assets. Correct. Right. Well, and you know, Keith, and, uh, I think some people will ask the question, well, what can I do to protect myself from a guardianship or a conservatorship? And, that, you know, obviously that's something to call and talk to an attorney about, but a lot of people don't think about this, Keith, and I had never thought about it until watching this movie, is the fact that you can wake up again just one day and your whole life changes because of somebody petitioning the court who is not even a family member. They're, they could be a total stranger, but you've got a, a system in place where um, people will go before a judge. And, you know, I hate to say this, Keith, but, you may even have a judge who may be even a part of this because, again, it's all about the money. And so you would think that a judge who sits on a bench is not uh, knowingly involved with stuff like this, but people are human. Things happen. And if people don't realize that, hey, hey, we've been doing this for decades, nobody uh, has caught us so far, and the judge is kind of insulated because he can say, well, I just – this was something that was presented to the court. This person is a, is is not an officer of the court, but has a business or a corporation, and that's what they do. So it is just really – I think a lot of people really need to be concerned about how uh, guardianship and conservatorship really works, Keith. Well, you know, this, this – Keep it. Let's keep it real. Judges go with what's put in front of them, and they and unless they have a reason not to believe that the information put in front of them, they believe that the attorneys who are handling this or the people who are bringing this have brought this under good faith. 
So, you know, you, you can't expect every attorney, every judge to go and investigate this. They're bringing that information. They're, they're going ruling based on the information that they have um, in, in, in many cases. Um, but it's just it's, – it's, it's sort of like someone's completely taken over your, your life. It, re, it reminds me of the movie with um, Ben Affleck and uh, Samuel L. Jackson. I think it was called Traffic. And um, he basically was able to get into Samuel L. Jackson's uh, credit history and ruin him um, based on the fact that he had upset him or, you know, he cut him off in traffic or whatever, but took over his life. I mean, took over his life, and he was never really able to to get it back based on somebody just doing it just because. And I think that's what this is. It's about about control, manipulation, uh, narcissism. It, it, it's 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 about I can do this because I can, and uh, I know a young lady who was extremely wealthy, and uh, I mean extremely extremely wealthy, millionaire, and uh, she married someone. Um, actually, someone was living with her, and something happened, and this person was able to get to the finances and convince, pretty much, cut her off from her family, convinced uh, a judge or whomever, that he was the caretaker and then, you know, got married. And I'm leaving some things out, but got married. And he took on the responsibility of a caretaker and went through her, um, fi- you know, finances. And, and it, it's, it's, it's just amazing. How, you're, you're right. And, and, and those types of stories every day, every day, it's something. Uh, guys, it's something. Um, guys, I, I don't mean to interrupt, uh, um, uh, Chief Green and Humphrey, someone just emailed uh, and they said, well, ask Chief Green. But it really isn't Chief Green. It's you, uh, uh, Chief Humphrey. They said, "Are you really sure that judges um, don't show any bias?" And I was going to ask you that before the break, anyway, or after the break, about uh, to, to your point. And Chief Humphrey, you know, I have the utmost respect for you, sir. Um, but the, I, I mean, I, I kind of feel, and, and based on things that I've gone through and things, even in in this case of the guardianship, that you don't think that, and the, the caller um, was asking, you don't think that judges don't play a part in this? And they said, listen, prosecutors, judges, and defense attorneys go play golf together, so why wouldn't there be any bias to, to the prosecutor? No, no, let me, let me clarify what I was saying. That's a good point. Absolutely. I would be completely... Uh, there's no way that I can sit here and talk to the listeners and say that that no one has any bias, that that you're not going to find anybody who's not who's, who's a judge is not biased. Absolutely, we we've seen it in criminal cases, we've seen it in civil cases. I'm I'm saying though, you do have those individuals that aren't that way, and they they're given this information and they're hoping that the information is true. But I'm not saying that that happens all the time. I'm not saying that at all. Absolutely, I truly believe there are situations where the judges' minds are made up before you even step in the courtroom. Yeah, I he, absolutely it, it, believe Andy, that. Andy in, in Brooklyn was asking. I think he probably he probably just heard because uh, Chief Humphrey had asked the question, and you were like um, basically had said, but you uh, I'm glad that you um, you know uh, clarified that. You know, he. I think he interpreted it as, and I'm looking at his email that, um, you know, you're saying, well, hey, they just 
the judges say all judges just going to have whatever's in front of them. And he's probably looking like I might have kind of had that side. Like, what about the criminal cases? That's why it goes off the garnishment and some other stuff where you have these judges that we know, guys, that are going to have these biases based on race or whatever, their friends or, you know, nepotism, whatever the case may be, Chief Humphrey. I think that's probably where he right. was responsible. Yeah, and he makes a good point. I want I want to I want to apologize if it seems I was coming. I'm my thing in a perfect world, you would the, the judges, the judges that I know, the majority of the judges I know, they're going to rule based on the information that's brought, and they're going to rule correctly. Have I encountered some judges that absolutely that I find out later that they're friends with um, the attorneys or they're friends with the fam? Absolutely, they should be recusing themselves, but they don't. Absolutely, I, I believe they. I believe there are. I mean, there's 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 story after story of. Judges and attorneys who, um, who um, you know, the, the the attorney represented the family, and and the, the attorney ended up with a lot of the money uh, in a um, that was in a trust, or they ended up spending money that was in a trust, and they find out that some of the, you know, there's a judge that participated in the trips that this attorney was taking, or the golf. So yeah, it it, it does happen. I mean, absolutely, it, it, it happens. Well, and you know, Keith, you mentioned earlier in the in the show is that when you watch a movie, somebody got that idea from something that really happened in real life. And so there are thousands upon thousands of cases that have happened where people's lives have been ruined because of somebody who has been appointed a guardian over them, uh, and all of a sudden, people's entire savings is wiped away. They can't even afford an attorney to even represent them in court. But when they do get into court and the court finds out that this whole thing was a sham, it, it makes people ask the question, well, especially if that person didn't appear before the judge. And this is what really got me when I watched this movie because the judge who portrayed in this movie never even questioned the petitioner, hey, where is Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so? Why are they not in the court? And so people who are listening to the show would probably say, well, hey, you, you're on to something because, again, how can you appear in court without representing yourself? But, hey, Keith, we're coming up, and we're going to take this break. But when we come back into the break, we're going to listen to an audio clip, uh, and we're talking about the abuse of guardianship. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. It's as if I were dead and buried. A Southwest Florida woman lost everything after she was declared mentally unfit to live on her own, even though she felt perfectly capable. And tonight, she's got some advice on how to keep this from happening to you and your loved ones. Hi, I'm Patrick Nolan. And I'm Sam Sosa in for Amy Wegman. Fournier Corner investigator Adam Pinsker has discovered this isn't an isolated case. Karen Federighi's nightmare started with a knock on her door in January 2016. And then there was a Collier County Sheriff's deputy who handed me a summons and I'm looking it over 
and total disbelief. I'm a ward of the state without any rights. Karen, who up until that point was a registered nurse at a Southwest Florida hospital and living a normal life before she was suddenly assigned to a court-appointed guardian and taken from her home. Sheer panic, like a prisoner. The guardianship system is supposed to appoint a decision maker for a person who is mentally or physically incapacitated to handle their own personal or financial affairs. It relieves the pressure on families who have elderly people who need help. Dr. Sam Sugar is founder of Americans Against Abusive Probate Guardianship. He says there are too many cases like Karen's. Nobody knows anything about this until it happens to you, and it's way too late then. Karen inherited some money from her late father and says a jealous family member filed the guardianship claim behind her back. Even though she was holding down a job and supporting herself, a three-person committee appointed by the court deemed her incapacitated. Nobody contacted me. Nobody verified that I was employed. With the help of a philanthropist who wired her some money, Karen fled Florida, eventually settling in Los Angeles. Even though she was officially freed from her guardianship last September, she has nothing left to her name. All my assets, everything I've worked for my entire life, gone. All my money, gone. Everything, gone. Dr. Sugar says there are some things you can do to prevent or lessen the chance you may end up like Karen, such as hiring a power of attorney for financial and health matters. And if you're married, have a joint bank account. The court finds it very difficult to take away one person's money when it's in a joint account with another person. Karen's nightmare isn't completely over. She's suing to get the money back that was taken from her during the guardianship case. I wouldn't want the people who did this to me. I wouldn't want this to happen to them. It's just beyond cruel. Karen and some other victims of guardianship abuse have filed a complaint with the FBI to see if they can look into how Collier County handles these cases. Meantime, Four in Your Corner reached out to the attorney who helped put Karen into guardianship, but we've yet to hear back from him. Reporting from Collier County, Adam Pinsker, Fox 4, in your corner. Hey, well, welcome you back to you and the Law Broadcast Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And, Keith, we've got a, a, a listener who asked this question. Uh, it was Pat, I believe, is in, lives in Maine. And uh, the question was, what role does law enforcement play in these guardianships when they do come out to a person's home to, to inform them that the courts have awarded them a ward of the state. If, if you're talking about that, that's a civil issue, and most local jurisdictions do not get involved in that process. That's normally the county that does that. But what I will tell you is that we're finding police departments that are developing pro, developing units for to prevent um, crimes against individuals who are elderly or who may have some form of physical impairment or mental impairment, because we normally find out it's been it's been happening for months or years, and so at that point you have to start that initial investigation somewhere, and and sometimes it goes back to not just the state it ends up being a federal investigation, but this is how a lot of this information is. Um, we discover a lot of these crimes because there's some family member who notices being cut off from their loved one. They notice that there's been large withdrawals from accounts. The locks have been changed. They lose. It's it's kind of getting someone isolated. Someone 
in order to control them, and that's how it starts through a phone call to the police department. And you, you, you start a small investigation, you snowballs, and you normally find out it's one or two or three people, and the main focus is to take everything they can from this individual um, based on the fact that uh, a piece of paper that says that this person can't take care of themselves. But it's a civil issue initially that turns into a criminal if it's reported and investigated right. Correct. Well, and, you know, Keith, and I want to say this to our, to our, our listeners that, you know, you and I, we're not attorneys. Uh, but we, we have dealt with situations in our careers in law enforcement where you've had to respond to a home because there is a civil issue between family members about guardianships. And, uh, but a guardianship is, is legal if it's done the right way. But we're talking about this evening is how the abuse of guardianship destroys people's lives without them ever even having a say-so in the beginning. And as we listen to the news clip that we played, this lady was working, had no idea that a family member went behind her back, and at the end of the day, it it was all about she inherited a substantial amount of money from from her late father, and this family member went to the courts to petition the courts to get guardianship over her but this woman was just like you and me going to work every day and so Don't worry about it. And, 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 and let me say this let me say this so they so look look for those, those individuals that appear to be vulnerable and i guarantee you this 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 lady was a very sweet lady who took care of business probably probably entrusted someone probably you know, very very trusting and somebody wanted something and, and basically said, I'm going to tag her as a victim. I'm going to, I'm going to make her victim. I'm going after everything she has this way. And that's what happens. It's all about control. It's, it's about, uh, like I said, narcissism. It's about control. It's always money involved. There's always going to be some kind of financial tie to it. Money, property, um, something. It's not or or manipulation when it comes to I want to isolate this person from the family, you know, especially when it comes down to uh, an individual who married later in life and may have married someone who made purpose of the money. So I want to isolate this person from the family so I can get. It's just, uh, but a lot of it is majority of the time it's manipulative manipulation regarding money, property. Or something, someone's trying to gain something, and 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 they will go to any length. When you start going to court to take over control of somebody's life legally, and you do so under the premise of it being legal, that's scary. That that is scary. That's that's just like identity. That's pretty much identity theft. It, 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 it's um, worse than identity theft. Uh, and Keith Harvey, just you know. Um, you, um, the, the folks, you're, you're fading in and out, so I just want to let you know that, that um, I sent a question to both of you, and the only reason I'm going to read it is because I want to follow up on it. If that's okay with you guys, I appreciate you um, sure. allowing me this. Um, 
uh, assist to both of you. Katie Monica, she seems a little bashful. She didn't want to come on. Says she listens to you. She loves the show. I want to make sure that I, I put it out there. But she, she said, um, um, you know, uh, just going back to it, um, are you personally conscious in handling um, people who are deemed being a guardian, right? Um, in terms of how you feel about it, if you have to go out or one of your officers have to go out and take care of that in your agency, and is the protocol on that? And I wanted to read that, guys, because, you know, at the risk of, of, of saying specifics in my family, um, and I, it's a lot of people I know that have these situations, that I have a family member, my family, immediate family, um, that was um, hooked on uh, uh, drugs and to the point where we were very, very concerned. But in the state of Connecticut, and I'm sure you guys know in agencies across the country because you deal with all your brethren, is that um, if she's not, uh, she uh, is not a harm to herself or anybody else, we can't commit her. It might be different in guardianship in terms of the initial part of it, right? But at the end of the day, if she had a trust or something like that, somebody's got to handle it. And it's not, if in our case, about the money. It's about concern for her. Everything else comes after that. So the two-part question is to Monica, of how do you feel consciously, number one, and, and you know, what's the protocol with all of that? Because... I'm very concerned that when this stuff happened, we had a family meeting, um, but we're fighting the state just to commit our family member to do the right thing. And and a guy, you guys aren't lawyers or anything like that, but you law enforcement, and as you know, you you carry all kinds of hats and wear all kinds of hats. Unfortunately for you, but I'm just cons- concerned and. and wanted to follow up on what Monica's question uh, was initially. Well, and I'll say this real quick, uh, L.A. into into Monica. One of the things that police officers have to deal with, and and most of the time in in situations like this here, a, uh, a sheriff deputy, because it is a process that goes through the civil side of court, a deputy goes out, not necessarily a local municipal police officer. So that deputy is only acting upon the information that he has received, him or her have received, to go to this person's home and to do what the court has uh, ordered, ordered yeah. this agency to do. And so, so no, feel, no feeling involved in it. You can't have any feel, no emotionals. Got to do what you got to do. Well, and, well, and I say this, LA. One of the things is that, you know, and I'm gonna say this, and I think when people, if you show up to a person's home, and this person has absolutely no clue as to what you are talking about, and you can look at that person and tell that this person has is very well capable of taking care of themselves. They can tell you, hey, I just got off of work. They can give you all of the kind of information. And at that point, if you 
become a person in that uniform and you start asking questions, some people will probably not agree with me and say, well, hey, you're supposed to follow what that court order told you to do. But I'm going to say if I show up to a person home or one of my officers say, hey, something isn't right about this, then we're going to go and we're going to go out and we're going to find out more. And if that means contacting this judge and saying, judge, listen, I know we've got a court order, but this person has no clue as to what's going on because we are there to take him or her out of their house and to take them to a facility. And so sometimes, and Keith, you, you, you may not agree with me, but I'm going to say at some point, man, the human side of, of what of who you are has to come out because, as you know, if, if you get that little feeling behind the back of your head and your hair come up, it's like, nah, this ain't right. So that's how I, I would proceed with it. And, and yeah, it, it, it's, it's a... a, a Keith Humphrey, I'll just yeah, follow up on that. To, to the personal side of it, you're an agency. You both run agencies. Your officer got to go out and do what he, he's got to do. Maybe you're not there. But if if you were or if this that scenario, you know, uh, take a different thing where there's some kind of disagreement in the household or whatever, and the woman, let's say, right, and her child has to leave. You have to follow the letter of the law, right? That That's what's given to you. So I guess Monica's kind of thinking about the personal, the conscious side of it. How do you kind of get through that? Because whether it's guardianship or, you know, some some fight going on and the person yeah. has nowhere to go. What do you do? You take them to a homeless shelter. I mean, there's a lot that goes into to what you guys do and to what you guys do specifically, the good guys, the good brothers like y'all do with the conscious, the real, right. conscious, not the bad apples. It, it, it's yeah. gotta be troubling. It's gotta be, it's gotta be a fine line. How do you do it to Chief Green's, point like you've got to have some conscious how do you juggle conscious with the letter of the law when you have to do these types of things well hey hey i just i just noticed we're coming up on on our next break that's right go ahead ahead, and then you can take the break after that that's fine okay okay well you you have to exhaust you have to exhaust every effort that's, that's possible. You know, when you when you go out, I mean, because a lot of times it's, it's not just the face value. Um, that is a court order. Uh, you are ordered by the law to serve that court order. Um, mm. But 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 there's nothing that says that when you go out there and it doesn't seem right that you can't ask questions. Uh, that's why you have supervisors. Hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is what's going on. This lady appears to not know anything. There's nothing wrong with trying to reach out to that judge. There, there, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, we understand sometimes you got to do what you got to do, but there are those times when there's nothing wrong with taking that extra step to reach out to that judge. And the judge may tell you, I hear what you're saying, but I want this person, based on additional information you may not have, I would like this person needs to be taken into custody or this person needs to be, this needs to happen. But you've done everything that you can do, you you know, and so that's that's yeah. that's where that's where the human side comes in. Yeah. Well, hey Keith, 
man, let's let's take this break, and because this is a a, a great topic that we're talking about, and we've got a lot of people listening to the show, uh, but we're going to have to have another part of this show. We're going to take a break, and we come back. We're going to get back into the conversation of guardianship abuse, but you're listening to You Under Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. show on the bachelor news radio network where if you miss any parts of this live broadcast show definitely go to the bachelor news.airtime.pro the bachelor news.airtime.pro and listen to the rebroadcast of this show and also make sure that if you don't follow us on social media uh go to our facebook page you and the law one follow us like us and you will find out more information about you and the law. You'll find more information about the swag, Chief Humphrey. You'll find more information about uh, the other co-host of the show who doesn't have any swag. But uh, definitely follow you don't have nothing media. going on, man. <laughs> definitely go to our social media and Send us some comments about this topic because, again, uh, guardianship abuse is a serious issue. But, Keith, let me, let me throw this in here and to our listeners. What if guardianship abuse involves somebody in the LGBTQ community? And we have somebody who we've had on our show, who listens to our show, who has a, a similar situation that's going on where her partner passed away. That person, they had a daughter. Now she is trying to fight to keep this child in her custody. But this is not her biological uh, daughter. So right. when you have, even if it's not money involved in it, and, and what we're talking about is where people are very well off and there are people who are taking advantage of them in a situation where somebody who is gay or lesbian and they don't have the legal powers to a child or even to property where a family member can come in and say, well, you know, you guys weren't legally married. So 
that is a whole nother part of this conversation when we talk about uh, people in the LGBTQ community when this happens to them. And they are just as sound as anybody else. But, but let me let me say this, and, and that's we you know we even talk about this. We talk about this form of of abuse um, when we talk about law enforcement, or we talk about people not knowing what their rights are. And I'll, I will be I'll be totally honest with you. There's a major there's a large group of the population that don't understand their rights. I mean, there are people that don't understand that they have a right to legal representation. That there are advocacy groups out here. When you have those kind of questions, when you hear stuff, people, as, as just by nature, people believe things can't happen to them. No matter how often we talk of these cases come up, uh, you know, uh, being a victim, people associate victim with being a crime of violence. They don't necessarily associate being a victim of a property crime or a crime that's of of, of, of of conscience. They believe that I'm only going to be a victim if it's violence. And so people really don't know. And I, and I, and I, and I stress to community members, uh, 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 no matter your ethnicity, your sexual orientation, your religious beliefs, you have to know what your rights are. You have to know that at any given time, something could happen to someone that you have entrusted. And now you're at the mercy of someone else. Who do you trust? Do you have a plan? It normally happens when there's someone who does not have a plan. People don't realize how important wills are, living wills, whatever kind of will. They don't understand the probate process. There are people that don't understand guardianship, what a real guardianship looks like. Um, People try to cut corners. Well, I'm going to do – and a lot of times they cut corners because they don't have the financial stability to do it. But, you know, doing your own guardianship and things like that, trusting people by word of mouth or on a piece of paper, those are the type of things that, that we need to continue to bring awareness to to, the, to our community that, listen, it's about business. I don't care. And you've seen this. L.A. seen it. The listeners have seen it. Man, people lose their mind when it's over, over tangible and non-tangible items that they think can make them better off than they actually are. They just lose their minds. We've seen sisters and brothers come to blows. Uh, it become fatal. We see people blocked away from their families because someone is trying to take their money. And you know, it used to be where, well, it was this young woman after this old man. Well, that's not the case anymore. The the most abused part of our job is when someone because there's there's two calls: domestic violence situations where there's someone who has an issue with someone else and they use the police to start a paper trail to control an individual. Now I'm not talking about the the domestic violence situations where you have a victim who needs to get out or who has been abused. I'm talking about there are people who play the system. They know just the right things to say, what the right things to say to get a paper trail started for their benefit. We get, we get put in the middle of that. Just like we get put in the middle of situations when someone is does, does someone suffers from mental illness or they don't they might have a mental uh they might have a mental breakdown and we have the right as police officers to do what's called an emergency detention we have to prove that this person is a danger to themselves or others we're we are used to do that uh you know we go out there and 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 
you know, this this person, they send us out there on a welfare check, you get there, and this person may not be talking coherently or whatever, and there are officers that will take this person to a facility for 24-70, you know, so that we're, and, 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 and they, that, you know, it's cutting corners, or you get to this point where officers say, well, man, if we leave, man, you know, this person does anything. So the system is abused a lot. Uh, based on the fact that we are put in those positions and we have to make the decisions that we should not have to make. But people need to know their rights. I say that the same way I say when, when you're driving a car. you got to know your rights. You have to know. Yeah. You can't assume that everybody's going to treat you, you know, everybody's going to treat you, you know, right, well, my next-door neighbor, he mows my lawn, he brings my paper in for me, my mail, so something happens to me, man. You you can't do this. It's about business. You you have to you have to put things in place to take care of business. So if you're unable to take care of yourself, there's something there that will allow people to follow the correct protocols to ensure that you're being taken care of. Yeah. Well, Keith, we've got a listener in Denver. Scott in Denver asked a question. Uh, he said, "Isn't it a, an abuse if the resources for law enforcement?" to even investigate guardian abuse. Uh, if law enforcement is aware of guardianship abuse, uh, should they investigate it? And, and Yes. You know, Scott, if, yes. Scott, if it's brought to the law enforcement agency's attention about there is an allegation or suspected guardianship abuse, that agency does investigate it. And there have been a lot of cases where that's how – investigations get started. That's how people end up getting arrested because there have been a lot of people who have abused guardianship who have been arrested and convicted and the courts have even awarded if they find that these people have the the assets to pay that money back to the victims that they uh, took their took their the money from. So yes. Uh, to your it's question. about control. Yeah, yeah. It, it's about control, and and you have an obligation. When you, police departments have an obligation and a and a and a and a statute in each state. When there is a criminal, when you're made aware of a criminal offense, you have an obligation to investigate. You can't just say, "Well, I'm not going to do it." If it, if there's something there that indicates a criminal offense or something that doesn't look right, you have an obligation. Uh, to to investigate that to 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 whether it's your police department whether it's a county a state or federal you have an obligation to give provide that information to the proper agency that can address that you can't just turn your back on crime on, on crime you shouldn't and if you're doing it you're you're breaking the law under under your state statute because it's very clear in in statutes what a law enforcement agency's responsibility is when it comes to um, uh, when they learn that a crime has been or is about to be committed. Okay. Well, hey, Keith, we've got uh, Taisha in, in Arkansas who's on the line, and I believe she's got uh, a comment and a question about the topic that we're talking about, which is guardianship abuse. Taisha, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, and thanks for tuning in okay. and listening to our show. Okay. Well, um, I'm going through a, well, a situation. Um, basically, 
I was with my fiance for five years, almost six. And um, when I met her, she had a one-month-old baby. And we got together, fell in love, moved in with each other, and became a family. Now, um, she passed away in August. And 30 days, not even 30 days, her family suing me for custody. Now, they only seen the baby one time. I've been financially taking care of my whole family, working two jobs, sometimes three, um, supporting us, and they never, ever been in the picture. She doesn't even know them. They're total strangers. If they were to walk down the street, she wouldn't know who they are. So they're suing me for custody, and out-of-pocket expense is crazy. I got to pay for my lawyer, the child lawyer, and court costs, drug tests, and all different kind of stuff. And I just feel that it's not fair. Just because we're not blood-related does not mean that you that we're not a family. We may not be a not we may not be a traditional family, but we are still a family nevertheless. And it's just so messed up because the lawyer that's on the opposite side they can't find anything. Now, of course, I haven't been a perfect citizen. They go going back 12 and 13 years, things I did when I was in my 20s, and now I'm 41, going to be 42 years old. And mm-hmm. because I'm gay, this is they don't want me to keep her because they had a problem with their own sister being gay. So they don't want me to have her. They don't know her. She's special needs. They don't know mm-hmm. this baby at all. She's total special needs. She's total care, okay? Mm-hmm. And I've been doing this the whole time, and now they're just trying to snatch my family away from me. And I feel that it's financially, it's a financial, it's financially, spiritually, and emotional. It just, it's just draining me, and I feel it's not fair. You, because you may not own approve of my lifestyle, that does not make me not a good parent because I love kids, and I definitely love mine, and I'll do anything for them. And it's just, I don't understand, you know, why this even went to court. How can you, just because you're related to this baby, her sister passed away, I understand. You know, I know grief makes people do crazy things. But just because you're related to someone, if you have not been a part of this child's life financially, the baby don't even know you, why take her out of a stable home with the only people that she's ever known and she done lost her mom and she's nothing but five? Well, let me say this. Let me say this. I, I, want, I want to first of all condolences on your loss. But you, yes, you thank you. Her mind, and we don't know why. I don't know. Same situation where you have an individual, uh, uh, a man and woman, the man is the, the man, uh, he hasn't adopted his kid, the other guys, and the other dad has never been the picture. The biological dad never been the picture, now the biological dad wants, I mean, it, it mm-hmm. goes. Absolutely, under the law, they do. So, but it's it's very it's, it's distressing. It's stressful for you. Mm-hmm. So, you got to understand. Defense attorney or the attorney is doing what they paid them to do. They're they're they're, and that's that's one of the things we don't understand. I used to take it personally when I dealt with when okay. I would deal with defense attorneys, and somebody just really told me what they really understand. You understand? That's what they're being paid for. 
They're, they're doing their job. Okay. To be faithful. We, we no, I'm not mad at the attorney. Mm-hmm. No, but, but ahead, I'm sorry. bringing up all that stuff, and, no, no, you know, bringing up all that stuff, that, that's very difficult. But don't know why people do that. I don't, I don't know why people do that, you know, and they say it's in the best interest. Well, what's the best interest? I mean, tell me what your best interest is. Because um, right. I'm going to say this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you love. If you, if you can't, you don't control who you love. At the end of the day, right. the biggest thing is that baby is going to be. And, you know, you don't, you don't try to hurt someone. And people do that. I don't know if that's the situation mm-hmm. or not. I don't know why people do that. And I'm sorry you're having to go through that. I really am. I'm sorry you're having to go through that, and I wish everything works out well for you. I don't know why people Thank do that. I, w- I wish I did know. Okay. Well, you know, I think it's exactly what he suffering. said earlier, control. Yes. Yeah. This was a control thing. Baby suffering. Yeah. Baby yeah. suffering. Well, yeah. Well, and at the end of the day, it's it, – Unfortunately, as you guys know, some people look at the financial gain in this, what they may gain out of it, and the fact that mm-hmm. you you just mentioned that this uh, baby or child is special mm-hmm. needs and obviously yeah. has a need for twenty four seven medical care. Yes, and if total and, care, mm-hmm. total care, and so you've got to question these people's motives behind wanting to okay. take a, a child out of a home uh, where they're mm-hmm. perfectly fine and yeah. they're put in a in an environment that they don't even know. Right. I, I just think, okay, how – well, you know, I understand. I'm not mad about the lawyers or anything because I know that they're doing their job. But what I don't understand is, okay, People change. Let me just say that. I mean, if you don't change, something is wrong. Things that I did in my 20s, I wouldn't dare do in my 40s now. You understand what I'm saying? Because I've grown and I've matured. I've made some mistakes. I'm not a felon or anything, and I'm not condemning anybody that is. But what I'm saying is just that I've made some mistakes, and, you know, I've got my life together. And what I'm saying is I've been hear the whole movie since the baby was one month old and how I'm not tripping that they want custody. It's just that, okay, the courts is acting like, you know, I mean, I financially don't have it. I had to quit a $30 an hour job where I was making good money. I had to mm-hmm. quit. So I'm not financially gaining anything. I'm I'm losing, but I'll do anything for my kids because I can't sure. not leave them at home and I don't have anybody to watch them. So I decided yeah. to quit my job to stay at home. And that's a yeah. real mother. And I don't have to be kin to this baby to be her mother. Exactly. Because a mother well, and you do know, anything and, for their kids. Yeah. And Taisha, let me say this. What you did in the past should have anything to do with this uh, child. What you did 20 years <laughs> ago shouldn't have anything to yeah. do with what's going on now. And well, that's me, not what the they court, doing in court. Yeah. And, and to me, mm-hmm. if hopefully you've, you've got an attorney that's, that's representing you and your best interest and, and this uh, baby's best interest, but that's the problem that we have with the legal system is that you've mm-hmm. got people who will go before a judge and you've got a judge who is not supposed to be uh, – What's the word? Uh, 
impartial or a bias. <laughs> but you got judges who sit on the bench who are biased mm-hmm. and they will they've made a deal with the attorneys because they're friends with the attorneys, but they're biased. Okay. And you can clearly see the bias in these situations. And so that's a even in criminal cases, and you see it in criminal and civil cases. So people will sit out there, and we've got a a person who's listening uh, to the show who who is Scott in Denver, who is one of these people who don't believe that law enforcement should be involved with cases like this right here, what we're talking about, because he's saying, well, hey, you guys got more important things to do. You need to go out there and catch people robbing banks or shooting, killing uh. people. What, what do? Hold on a second. You know, if a family uh. member has six point one million dollars, and uh-huh. all of a sudden somebody comes into the picture who is not even a family member, and the court says, "Well, hey, we're going to give you guardianship over this person's six point one million dollars," and oh, by the way, uh-huh. you family. You don't have anything to say about it. So, Scott and Denver, buddy, take a step back and just think about what people are doing and listen to the lady who sit there and said she had a job, she was paying her bills, what's nothing wrong with her, and all of a sudden today a deputy shows up and says, hey, you are a ward of the state. So, Scott, you may want to back off a little bit and realize that policing has a lot to do with every single thing that we're talking about. Well, it's a quality of life. I agree. It's a, it's a quality of life issue. And let's just talk about this and not belabor this, but let's just talk about this. How many violent crimes have been initiated based on the issue we're talking about? How many, how many violent crimes, how many, how many, um, murder suicides how many of those type of things have occurred because of a control situation you know somebody yeah. realizes one day they've lost everything and they and they and they go into a crisis and they and they go on a shooting spree so these things these type of things do lead to criminal uh, uh, cases and it's a quality of life thing and law enforcement whether we like it or not we do get involved and we have to be involved in quality of life issues yeah. Well, hey, Keith, you know, we've went over our time, and, and Taisha, uh, we definitely yeah. thank you guys for calling in and, and, and being a part of this conversation. But we're going to come back with a part two of guardianship abuse because I think it's a topic okay. that deserves a lot more conversation about. Uh, and, but and we want to remind you that – go ahead, Chief, LA. Chief, real quick, just to, to end, um, you got a lot of folks that are – um, agreeing with Taisha going through, um, and this is not my show, so I've, I've you know, I've reserved my uh, comments, but I do know that, you know, um, it, it does, does come down to a lot of um, the lifestyle, which is, you know, unfortunate. It really is. I mean, she, oh, yeah, and she is in, and her partner, they're. They're together. Like it, it doesn't matter what if you heterosexual, whatever. BS. I'm being nice on your show, um, but um, you're getting a lot of people who are feeling what she's feeling and going 
through and going through like giving up jobs and lots of money and poverty and and things and raising kids the right way. Hello, you don't yeah, have yes. to be in whatever. It's like it's they taking care. She taking care of the kids. Like what? What's the problem? So you definitely want to do a part two because you're getting a lot of people um, who are absolutely going through or absolutely um, uh, empathizing and sympathizing with what's going through and what you said, and in particular what uh, Chief Humphrey said in terms of, listen, it is what it is. It's the law is the law. It has no, no face on it or race or anything. You have to take care of these people. So I just want to put that in yeah. here uh, as you close. Okay. Well, hey, guys, we want to remind you that if you miss any parts of this broadcast, definitely go to thebachelornews.aircom.pro. That's thebachelornews.aircom.pro. And go to our Facebook page. Uh, You'll see a link to thebachelornews.aircom.pro. You'll see links to listen to the the other rebroadcast on our Facebook page at You and the Law One. Just go in and search You and the Law One. Like us, follow us, and definitely stay in Tune in next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for another episode of You and the Law, where we finish part two of guardianship abuse. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network.